said praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Have a Bible tonight. I would like to turn your attention to the fourth chapter of the book of Acts. Good to see each and every one tonight. We anointed a handkerchief for uh, Jay Congleton who owns the oil well and his son whose leg was crushed pretty much. And uh, they had surgery. Uh, we prayed for Monday night. He had outpatient surgery on Tuesday. And we, I met him Tuesday morning before he left to go to Delray to have the surgery. And I gave him the anointed handkerchief that we had prayed over and agreed over. And so I got a hold of him that night. And I asked him, how did things go? Is everything good? And he said, yep. He said when the surgery was done, his son looked at him and said, I didn't think they, we even had any surgery. He said, I didn't feel a thing. So that's what I said. I said, thank you, Lord. <laughs> and, and he said, he said, man, he said, they scraped down to the bone, and he didn't feel a thing. So I'm very thankful. This was outpatient surgery, so this wasn't going under great amounts of uh, knock-you-out stuff, okay? But I thank the Lord, and, you know, we're, uh, I, I read to him, uh, in the Bible, what it said in the 19th chapter of the book of Acts, and 
how that God wrought special miracles. They use handkerchiefs or aprons. And uh, so the Lord is mighty, and we're witnessing to people. 94-year-old man uh, at this morning that I saw in town, and um, I, I've been trying to get him to come to church for quite some time. He's very spry. You would never know he was 94 to look at him, and he'll do a little calisthenics for you to convince you he's not that old. And, uh, oh, he's a riot, man. He'll he'll do a number for you, man, and he'll just get you laughing, and, and he's not playing, though. <laughs> and uh, I'm afraid he's going to do some push-ups next, and then I'm going to really feel convicted. But anyway, he uh, he's quite a fella, and uh, we've been praying for his daughter, who's very sick. Of course, his daughter's 70-something years old. But uh, we have been praying. And, uh, but I asked him this morning if he uh, could see well. He had glasses on. He says, yeah, I see all right. So I opened my Bible to Acts 2.38, and I asked him to read it, and he did. And so I once again asked him to come out to the house of God, and I said, I want to baptize you the Bible way, the right way. So I want you to pray. His name is Percy, okay, and I'd like for you to remember him in prayer. He's uh, been involved with produce pretty much all of his life, and uh, he's just a wonderful fella as far as to talk to him. Pleasant spirit, pleasant attitude, and I want God to save him. All right, let's take a look at the book of Acts, chapter 4. Book of Acts, chapter 4. Met a man today that uh, says he believes this truth, and he's he is uh, French Creole, and I uh, gave him one of our tracks, one of our invitations, and this was over in the Rock area, and uh, he said um, he said uh, you have you have you have French Creole, and I said yes, right there, look, see French Creole, see what everything there that you're reading, French Creole, <laughs> and he said, well, well, you have service. And I said, yeah, we have preaching, and we have singing, and we have it all, French Creole. I said, we have Spanish, too, and English, all three. I said, we even have French. On top of the French Creole, we have French. We can do that. And so um, he just couldn't understand how we do these things. But you know what? We do these things, don't we? Because of our God, we do these things. And I'm glad that we can meet together and come onto one roof and worship the same one God. And it doesn't matter what language. Makes no difference whatsoever. What matters, and I kept telling him, is Acts 2.38. You preach Acts 2.38. You tell them about Acts 2.38. You believe in one God. And so uh, I was walking right down his block, let me tell you. All right, here we go. Acts chapter 4, verse 1. And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple, or the church house, and the Sadducees came upon them being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold until the next day, for it was now eventide. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men were about 5,000. Everybody said, Praise the Lord. Well. I want to just minister for a little while tonight on I'm not budging. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. The setting here is that Peter and John, as you know, third chapter, had gone up to the temple at the hour of prayer. 
and here's a fellow that's been brought to the steps of the temple as he does every day. They would bring him there, and he would beg and ask money from people, and uh, they called it alms, and asking for people to give him money. And he was lame from uh, birth, and uh, here he is once again another day, and here comes, to make it a whole different day, here comes two preachers, two Holy Ghost-filled, baptized in Jesus' name preachers. And as they're coming to the church house for prayer at the hour of prayer, they see this fellow. And, of course, Peter uh, tells him to look on them, and as Peter prays for him, this man is healed. He's wonderfully and marvelously healed. And let me tell you something. If you're sick, every healing is wonderful and marvelous. <laughs> I don't care what it is. Uh, when I first came in the church, uh, I hadn't been baptized too awful long. I hadn't had the Holy Ghost too awful long. And uh, something that was pretty uncharacteristic for me was that I got sick. And um, I got so sick, I, I was working construction. Um, I would help do whatever. But at that time, we were doing roofs. And um, I, uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't do anything. I, I, I couldn't lift my head up off the bed, off the pillow. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't imagine myself even being on the roof the way I was feeling. I don't know what was wrong with me, uh, but it was terrible pain, and I was sick. And um, I, was, I know that we had revival going on at the church, and I couldn't go, and I was very upset about that. I, uh, but um, I went. Finally, I got up one, one Monday, I think it was, and I'd been in the bed for probably 10 days. And I got up that day, and I, I uh, told the man that I worked for, the man that had won me to the Lord, and I said, I'm going to try to go to work with you today. And, and so uh, we were riding in the car, and I was just riding. And I was saying, man, I don't know how I'm going to make this. I don't know how I'm going to get up on that roof. I'll probably fall right off. And uh, we were passing by the church, and my pastor lived just behind the church in a parsonage there. And um, he said, you know, the evangelist is here, and Brother Dunn is here. He said, oh, we could just go right by, and they'll have prayer for you. And I just said, no, nah, man, uh, I, I don't think so. I feel terrible. And then I, I don't know, something, I guess just the Holy Ghost got a hold of me. I said, all right, turn, turn in there. We'll go, we'll go up prayer. Come on. And so he turned down the street and we went in and knocked on the door and Brother Dunn invited us in and sat down at the table and he told my pastor that I was really been sick. And of course he knew I'd been sick. And he said, we came for prayer We're on our way to work. And uh, so the preacher with him, the evangelist was Brother Joe Duke. And Brother Joe Duke was blind, naturally blind. And, um, so he just stuck his hand out, and his, his custom was for you to shake hands with him, and he would take his other hand, then he could locate you, and he'd put his hand on your head, and he'd pray for you. So they prayed for me, and, you know, Brother Don had an air conditioner in the wall right there in the dining room where we were sitting, and that air was just blowing on me, and I was just, oh, I was so miserable. I was just miserable. And, uh, but they kept praying, and you know what? All of a sudden, whoop, it just left. Every bit of it left. And I remember just going, wow. And I was so happy. And I, was, and I, I just told him, I said, come on, let's go to work. And so we thanked and praised and went out the door and went to work. And, of course, I was in church that night for revival and all the other nights after that. And, and, uh, but I'm saying, you get healed. It's marvelous. You, you get that. That takes place in your life, and it's marvelous. I preached in this pulpit for many a year starting in 1975. And um, I had a great big old wart on my on the end of my hand here and uh it was very big and very uh calloused and very unsightly and i hated it because i would shake hands with people and i'd always feel like their finger would hit it and they'd probably like recoil you know and 
and uh, but I, I and I would be in the pulpit and I'd kind of go like that all the time. And, and uh, so one day I was preaching and uh, up here just like this, different pulpit though, and um, I just did that like I normally did, and I looked down and it was gone, completely gone. It was big as a nickel, and it was completely gone, and it is completely gone today. And there's not a thing there to even let you. Know. I had to tell you there was one there for you to know it. Uh, I've I've seen and experienced the great healings of the Lord. Now, a wart may not mean much to you, and uh, uh, I don't know about the other thing, what to call it, uh, uh, some kind of extreme case of the flu and uh, migraine headaches and everything else. I don't know what to call it. I didn't go to a doctor. Like, I went to Dr. Jesus, and I'm telling you what, when he healed it, I was mighty glad of it. Amen. I was mighty glad of it. And uh, or so now, I've had so few things in my 40-odd years of, of preaching and living for God that, uh, but I guess that's why the ones that I had and I got healed of stand out in my mind so much. And I certainly didn't plan to say any of this tonight, but here I am. I'm just wading into the water here. And uh, but I uh, also had not one, but I had four ingrown toenails. I had them on each side of my big toe, and uh, mine were the uh, erpy kind. Mine were oozy and pussy and bloody and mucusy and they were just running all over the place, and uh, there were days sometimes when I it, I couldn't hardly walk. It was so painful, and you know how, if you've ever had an ingrown toenail, how that nail gets in there and it just gouges away at you until it's infected, and uh, and I remember a lot of times I had to either go barefooted, Patrick, where are you? I had to go barefooted and uh, make like an Islander man, and I had to, uh, sometimes I would wear slippers and uh, because I, I couldn't bear to wear a shoe. It was just so painful. And uh, many a time I'd be at church and praying for people to get healed. And believe me, I was kind of hoping I'd get healed myself right about then in those toes. <clears throat> but uh, once again, I, I remember Brother Dunn had come by, and we were living behind the church here in a trailer. And I remember he'd come by, and, and uh, he never did know that I had these ingrown toenails. And that day he discovered it, and, and he never said anything. But I always had the feeling that he breathed a little prayer for me because right after that, uh, they went away completely. And it wasn't for me digging them out or clipping them or anything. Else. They just went away. They were gone. And I'd had them for a very, very long time. So to, uh, you know, suddenly realize that they were gone and there was no pus and there was no mucus, and there was no infection, there was no gouging going on and there was no pain. And if you stepped on my toe anymore, it didn't hurt and I didn't it, almost faint, you know. I had one guy came in room one time and I was sitting there with my feet up and my legs were crossed and, and I just had a pair of socks on. I was just reading my Bible and he came in. He was one of the young people and he was talking. And I, was, I don't know why, but for some, why, why a lot of things that young people do, I don't know why. But it was one of those and he just reached out and he just grabbed my foot and went like that. And I just went, <laughs> I, I couldn't even speak and I couldn't slap him. I couldn't do nothing. <laughs> I was just in mortal pain, let me tell you. And uh, but the Lord healed me, and I'm telling you, there's nothing like being healed when you're sick and God comes on the scene, friend. It's a marvelous experience. Woo! And I'm not going to tell you to get sick, but if you do, I hope you get that healing and experience that. I believe you will. And He's marvelous, and I don't care if it's an ingrown toenail or a cancer. If He heals you, friend, it's marvelous. It's great. It's wonderful. Woo! Yellow. Amen. 
Amen. And uh, so I'm saying to you that this man was at the at the church house, and uh, that day things were different because somebody came along that knew Jesus Christ, and they really knew him. They were baptized in his name. They were filled with his spirit, and they came and they prayed for this guy, and in the name of Jesus Christ, he rose up, and they said, walk, and boy, I don't know if you might want to call him a bit disobedient, but he didn't just walk. He leapt. He danced. He praised. He went right into the church. That's a good way to go into church, by the way. Instead of come dragging in, instead of coming down in the mouth, instead of, oh, I wish I wasn't here tonight, come in leaping, come in praising, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Amen. Lift up those hands and praise the holy God of heaven and earth. Woo! Yeah, Lord. I'll tell you what, if you can't find a reason to praise him, he can sure give you one. I think I told you, and I, I, I don't usually call her name, and I'm not going to do it tonight, but a uh, sister in the Lord, and she told how that she got so sick and tired of doing the laundry. She was just sick of it. She didn't want to do any more laundry. So she got the flu. She was in the bed. One week went by, and then two weeks went by, and the Lord healed her. And she said, I was never so glad to do laundry in all my life. Just so happy to be able to be free of all of the uh, different symptoms of having the flu. The, the fever, the sore throat, and the migraine headache, and uh, the chills, and the many other things that go along with it, you know. And, and, uh, and uh, after two weeks of that, she was more than happy. I'm going to tell you something. There's something can come your way to help you out of your complaints if you need it. But I'd rather just enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. No matter what's going on, just come on to church and praise the holy name of Jesus Christ and do a little leaping, do a little dancing, do a little praising. Amen. And you're going to know that your God rules in the heavens above and the earth beneath, and you're going to be glad to be called the child of the king. Woo! Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Amen. You know, it's been said, uh, people will often say, even people of the world, many of them will say, I saw a man today in the in the post office in the parking lot, and I started to go out that way. And uh, he he was, he, there was a woman must have come up, maybe a family member or something, and said something to him, and he goes, everybody's complaining. Everybody's got a problem. He's going like that, and I turn right around and the other way. <laughs> I believe I'm going to get out of that man's way. <laughs> Not quite sure what's going on there. but. Uh, what I am saying is he's right. You know what? But complaining doesn't solve anything. Complaining doesn't do one thing. But praising and thanking God, oh, friend, that, that moves mountains. That brings up valleys. That straightens out crooked places. That smooths out rough places. You give thanks. You praise him. You call on that name. You quote his word. And you get chapter and verse going. And first news you know, you're going to see things straight now. You're going to see things smooth out. You're going to see the mountain come down. You can speak to that mountain. And Almighty God will move that mountain out of your life. Come on. That valley of depression, he'll bring it up and fill it with joy. Woo! Yes, he will. Come on now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Amen. Boy, that guy was having him a time. But you know, everybody didn't like it. And not everybody's going to like it. And you know what? Care what they don't like. Because you know, when they don't like it, it's nothing but the devil. That's all it is. It's just a bad spirit that's influencing them because the devil hates God. The devil hates truth. The devil hates the name of Jesus Christ, and he hates the church that bears the name and brings the truth to a lost and a dying world that he has enslaved. And he doesn't want to lose them. He doesn't want them off the auction block. He doesn't want them washed in the blood of the Lamb and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. That old devil hates that. But I'm going to tell you what. You just go ahead and praise the living God and do the things of the Lord and worship Him and magnify Him and everything's going to be all right. These two fellas, man, they said, why are you looking so earnestly on us? Why are you dragging us before the council? Why are you trying to stop what we're doing? Because I'm going to tell you, we're not budging. We're not budging. We believe this truth. We believe in this name. And not you or any devil that influences you is going to stop the church. The Word of God is forever settled in heaven. And it's not going to change. He said, I am the Lord thy God and I change not. And we're the church of His Word. We're the church of His power. We're the people of His name. And we're not budging. Woo! Not at all. Not for anybody. Not for any family member. Not for any boss. Not for anybody anywhere. We're not changing. We're going to keep the same message. We're going to go forward in the name of Jesus Christ. We're going to bring healing wherever we go. We're going to bring the Holy Ghost wherever we go. We're going to bring the blood wherever we go. We're going to bring this oh so great salvation. Wherever we go. Amen. And thank God for the church. The church that won't wilt under pressure. Under the, the stare and the gaze of, of people who have bad spirits about them. And that, You know, without the Holy Spirit, there's nothing left to have but the bad spirit. I got news for you. There's no gray area here. You're either going to be with Jesus or not. You're going to be with him or you're going to be with the devil. It's as simple as that. It's one or the other, and it is your choice. And I want to help people make the right choice. I want to help people. I want to let this light shine in their hearts and in their lives. I want to bring them out of darkness into marvelous light. Friend, you don't want to step away from the light. The only thing out there is darkness. You don't want to step away from the church. The only thing outside of that is the storm. You want to stay right where you belong. Be doing what you're supposed to be doing. Be praising and magnifying and worshiping Him. Leaping and dancing and shouting and glorifying the name. And knowing that you have this beautiful truth that everybody needs. Everybody needs this. You go on reading in the fourth chapter. After they, you know, they get them and they're smacking them around and they're gonna, they're gonna figure out what to do and they, you know, they, they're so uh, people. These same people are people now who are claiming, you know, to love God and to uh, want to do, you know, good things. Remember something, people that uh, Jesus made reference about people who who think in their praying. It said for their much speaking, they think that they're going to be heard. And Jesus made it clear it's not going to happen. you got to get your heart right. Your heart has got to be right. 
and you can do whatever you want to do. You, you know, the Bible said it's not by works of righteousness which we have done. There are people that think the world is filled with people. They want to substitute. They want to substitute. They want to take out the salvation of God. They don't want the name of Jesus Christ in water baptism. They don't want the gift of the Holy Ghost speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. They don't want God being in control and doing this the way God said it's to be done. They want to substitute. So they want to try to do good little deeds. But the book said, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but it's according to His mercy. It's according to His grace. It's according to His power and His glory. It's going to be by the waters of rebirth and regeneration. It's going to be by being baptized in Jesus' name. And it's going to be by being filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and the renewing and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Amen. 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 This is a beautiful truth. You know, the Bible said very plainly that people of the world, and that includes many, many religious people, okay? Many religious people. They're going to uh, they're going to make a covenant, an agreement. You know, poor old Samson, he made an agreement, didn't he? He made an agreement. And uh, and then and he he got to talking too much, and bragging too much, and blabbing too much, and and his pride. A whole lot of things started rising up there, works of the flesh, and uh, in agreement with that woman, and uh, he, uh, he he paid dearly for it. You think of how many times and how many opportunities there were for Samson to get out of that situation. Didn't have to go the way that it went. And there are, according to Isaiah, there are people that are going to make a covenant, an agreement, and they're going to make it with hell. They're going to make it with death. And they're going to, they're going to try to make lies their refuge, a place to hide. Uh, but I got news for you. God said, I'm going to, I'm going to sweep that refuge away. Uh, my fury is going to burn, and I'm going. I'm going to wipe all that kind of stuff out, and they're not going to be able. Their covenant with death and hell is going to to come to nothing, and their lies of refuge of lies is going to be swept away. I'm going to burn through every bit of that. God said. He said, "Fury is in me." You know, the Lord has gone the whole second mile, if you please, when He came in the flesh, and when he gave that flesh on the cross, and that flesh shed the blood of God on the cross, he absolutely did what needed to be done. He gave the greatest covenant that could be given, and you and I want to keep this covenant. We want, I'm telling you, whatever your problem is, whatever your situation is, there is, through Jesus Christ, a way out of it, if you could just believe that. If Samson could have had some good counsel, he wouldn't have had to have his eyes lose his vision. You know, not only his natural vision, more importantly, his spiritual vision. He wouldn't have had to have been made sport and fun of. He, he wouldn't have had to die amidst the rubble of his tormentors. Things could have been so different had he had the opportunity 
that we have today. We have an opportunity that the Bible said he forgives all manner of sin. You know, he heals all diseases. There's nothing beyond the reach of his power. You want to believe him tonight for yourself, and you want to believe him for every lost person out there wandering around in darkness, and you have that light. And you don't want to put that light under anything, not a bushel basket or anything else. You want it right out on top of the table where people can see and see what's going on. Oh, let me tell you something. I, got, I don't have it on me. I don't like it when I'm preaching. But, but you know, uh, they got, gave me that phone, and, and I can push the little button, and that little light comes on. You put that on in here, it ain't nothing. It ain't going to do nothing in here, not a thing. Why not? Because there's light in here. Well, you take it into that old dark room, and you you don't know where the light switch is, and you're oh, oh, and you're bumping and everything. You put that little light on, and it's pretty bright, pretty good. How much more in this darkened world is this great light of ours? They used to sing this little light of mine. I don't. I like it. This great big light of mine. This great big light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine. Going to put it right up on top of the mountain, one singer said. Going to put it right up on top of the mountain and let it shine. Going to put it out there, friend. There's a lost and dying city here, a tri-city area, a whole county, a whole state, a whole nation, a whole uh, northern hemisphere, north and south, and a whole world. Seven continents. People are dying and going to hell. And you and I have the message. We have the light. We have the truth. We have the hope. Let's not let the enemy get us into some corner and get us into some mess. You break out of that. You tell the devil, I don't need to worry about your threats. I don't care. Old Delilah, I'm sure that old Delilah was a positive proof that hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. And man, I want you to know Jesus Christ can take care of any situation. He can untangle any knot. He can absolutely work your situation out. Trust in Him. Trust in Him. Believe Him. The enemy will pull anything. He'll try any way he can to get you in what he feels like is, is no move. You know, there was a guy, he went to an art gallery. And in, on the wall in the art gallery was a painting of a chessboard. And there was three pieces on the chessboard, and it was supposed to depict checkmate. Now, chess, that's it, friend. Checkmate, it's over. And uh, this guy was came in, and he was looking around at the artwork, and he saw that one piece there on the wall of the chessboard, and he stood there, and he looked at it. He went over another angle, and he looked at it some more. He went back to the other side, and he looked at it again. Then he went in the middle, and he looked. And suddenly, suddenly, he began to scream and he began to jump up and down. And anybody that was around, he was waving them over. And he started screaming, one more move, one more move. He said, there's one more move there. That's not checkmate. I want to tell you something. You've got one more move if you feel like you're down to your last move. You have the name above every name. And that's what this guy got. He had no ankle bone strength. He'd been laying there for all his life. But the church came into his life. The name of Jesus came. And buddy, his world changed. His life changed. And your world and your life can change. By the name, they said, be it known unto you.
and to everybody that by the name of Jesus Christ, this man stands here before you whole. Don't look at us. It ain't us. It's him. It's him. And we praise him. And the more you tell us not to use his name, the more we're going to use it. Amen and amen. Give him a big hand. Thank you, Jesus. Everybody said, praise the Lord. Well, I'm happy to be in the church. And, uh, let's take a moment, lift our hearts with our hands. We're going to worship him. Thank you, Jesus. I praise the old living God. I worship the old holy father. I love you, Lord. I bless you, Lord. I need you. Now, without you, Lord, there's nothing. You are God and you alone, my Savior. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of Thank you for your healing. Thank you for your salvation.